Ladies and gentlemen and podcast fans around the world, welcome to Better Than Most Things with your hosts, Sean and Max. Thank you, Mr. E. Yay! Appreciate that. Yeah, so as you may have noticed, we are, uh, well, not me, I I sound perfect because I'm in the studio, but uh, everyone else on this podcast is, uh, yeah, why you're muted. Oh, that's right, you're not muted. I'm not muted. Yeah, we're all. As you can tell, we're 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 working efficiently right now at a hundred percent. Yeah, like a well-oiled fucking machine. We got Sean there in the engine room. We're all in satellite locations that should not be named, and supposedly we sound great. But I can't wait to hear this later. And it sounds like we're on a cassette tape. But I think that's going to be part of the fun of the of the adventures of this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And we're doing this obviously as a result of the whole COVID stuff. Uh, fun fact, every episode you heard before this episode was pre-recorded in the event that we couldn't fulfill our recording duties. And we it's almost like we knew. <laughs> yeah. It was, I was thinking about that because when we first started, we did a bunch of test recordings, we called them, but we also said, in a, you know, in, in case of emergency, we could also use these and maybe, you know, fluff out things. We don't have to record every week in case of emergency. Yes. And then boom, this whole thing went down. So it was, and we had Boy, all that these... emergency happened fast, didn't it? Whoa. Yeah, dude. So <laughs> we should have doubled up. We should have doubled up. We should have eight. Yeah. Podcast eight. So hopefully we'll be done with this, uh, lockdown soon so we can get back to recording and giving you guys the, uh, I would, I was going to say quality, but who the fuck am I kidding? I'm not going <laughs> to, I know you can at least hear us like guessing better sound. You, you decide, <laughs> you decide. So I've got a story here that kind of dovetails with the whole COVID thing. Uh, it's, me, fat cat. it's about Daniel Reardon from Australia. I know him. Oh, yeah? From Australia? Yeah! That dude? What's he up to? Okay. Well, that dude, he, uh, while trying to invent an anti-COVID device, and uh, his whole premise was he would design a necklace that would sound an alarm anytime you tried to reach for your face. So it would have some sort of sensors that would detect you reaching for your face. Can I already say... When you first said the premise, like that's stupid. Then as soon as you actually said it, though, like oh wow, because I touch my face a lot. I've noticed throughout this pandemic bullshit. I am touch. I'm a chronic face toucher. Uh huh. I would yeah. I would love some this technology. I'm all about like I I, I I'm always a nose guy. I play with my nose a lot. Oh, uh, no, dude. I'm a nose nose. I, I I'm in that nose. I'm out. I'm on the outside, inside my <laughs> mouth. I'm fucking with it. My beard, my face. The other day, too, I wore a mask outside for, like, COVID stuff, and it was so ill-adjusted. I went to adjust it, and then I poked my eye with my bare <laughs> finger, and I realized, oh, man, this mask failed me. I probably just gave myself <laughs> the goddamn virus because you're trying to protect your eyeballs. So, speaking of noses and uh, all that COVID stuff, this guy, the again, technology, necklace, don't touch your face, boop, 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 boop. It was all going great. What they were doing was they were uh, testing bracelets with magnets and then some sort of sensor on the necklace that could detect them and whatnot. And then they just started screwing around with magnets. And, you know, Daniel here, your buddy Daniel. Nothing good happens when you do that. um, He started clipping them to his ears and having fun. And then he clipped one to the inside of his nose. And uh, here's, oh, this is his quote. It's the same logic as clipping pegs to your ears. I clip them to my 
earlobes and then clipped them to my nostril, and things went downhill pretty quickly when I clipped the magnets to the other nostril. So, meaning... What does that mean for a human? Like, what does that mean? So, meaning he had um, a pair of magnets clipped on the outside of one nostril. So, let's say his right nostril. And like then sandwiching his nostril meat. Yes, exactly. His outer okay. nostril meat. And then okay. he uh, attached another pair of magnets to the other nostril. To the other nostril. Oh, Jesus. And the two magnets that are now inside his nose, you know, one in the right nostril, one in the left nostril. Yeah. Uh, then magnetized to each other around his septum, which is that little bridge in the middle of your nostrils. He basically closed off his nose holes. Yeah, more or less. You could remove the outer magnets and, you know, get some air passage there. But uh, he still had the inner magnets clamped around his septum. You know what this reminds me of already is, do you remember when Steve-O um, pierced his butt cheeks together? Yes. In the jackass? <laughs> God. <laughs> Sounds like the same idea. It's like something you can only do for like a minute or two. Just to say, like, yeah, I did it. And then, you know, that's not uh, practical. Yeah. So he Googled some stuff and how to figure his way out of this one. And uh, he came up with using magnets to lure the other magnets out and just kind of pull them, pull them out of his nostril. But then those magnets got stuck. Oh. Whoa, what happened? I, I I thought he just kind of closed his mouth, his nose off. He could take it off. Like they went up to his nose, like in his nasal or something or like. No, no, no. So it. There's four magnets total, okay? Right? Yeah. Uh, you need two per nostril. So on the outside of the nostril, you clip two. And then the two magnets that are inside his nose sandwiched his septum here, his middle part. Oh, I see. And so you can As take this. As a result this, of releasing the, side, the ones on the outside, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So he yeah, it, one's off the outside. Now the ones inside magnetized together into his yeah, nose. Yeah, I wasn't getting that. Now I get it. So now they're stuck. So I was like, why can't you just remove the magnets? No, so yeah. the, those inner ones are stuck. Yes. Oh, And shit. so from there, he used other magnets to try to get it out and then lost those up his nose. God. <laughs> why, what's with you and noses? What was the other story? It was like the weed, weed guy shoved things up his nose. Oh, that's too. true. I forgot about that one. Yeah, you're in the nose stories. <laughs> So at that point, he ran out of magnets, and then he uh, <laughs> ended up he ended up going to the hospital, and they uh, anesthetized his nose, and then they didn't surgically, but they manually got up in there and removed the magnets. But I think one of the best parts is that his uh, research partner took him to the hospital that she works at because she wanted all her colleagues to laugh at him. Oh, great. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, like, and they took out 16 magnets from his nose or something. Like, you just kept you just no, kept right. throwing money at the problem, kept throwing magnets. Like, well, if I lost two up there, I bet you four will do this. Well, and then later on, like, God damn it. This might make all of us feel better because uh, none of us are doctors. But do you want to know what this guy does for a living? Obviously, he's a doctor. Is he a... I don't have something funny to say. I was going to say magnet <laughs> scientist, but that's right. not funny. So, yeah. No, he's probably someone we would respect. His name is Dr. Daniel Reardon, and he's a 27-year-old astrophysicist and research fellow at Melbourne University. Oh, my God. I would. Yeah, astrophysicist. That's fucking Carter from Stargate. That would be amazing. But usually astrophysicists, they really think about all the physics that go that are involved with things. So it's kind of funny that he didn't realize 
what's happening in his own nose that they would like flip. Because <laughs> I bet you they flip polar. That's why, like, so his mind, yes. like, oh, they were. Uh, okay. I almost thought you were going to say they were repelling each other in his nose. They were like flipping out in his nose. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? But then, it, like, I never, they flipped over. I think that's so fascinating because he had a 50 50 chance of avoiding this whole situation because of the polar sides of a magnet. If he had just mm. flipped that magnet on the inside, you know, happenstance without knowing, if it had just been turned around, then they would have never clamped around his septum and we'd never be talking about it right now. It's fun. It's like a, it's a coin flip, essentially. So that guy was out of Australia. I do have a uh, Florida or Australia story here, unless you want to break in with something. Well, I have something that's kind of uh, COVID related. So in, in, in the theory of kind of we're trying to ease people in and so we kind of mentioned COVID before. Okay. So I have a topic that I, thought, I kind of thought was just fascinating. But um, have you noticed anything different lately, Sean, about the Earth? Uh or well, I don't. If you believe Reddit, uh, dolphins are returning to Italy, and uh, Godzilla's coming back to Japan, and you know, nature's nature's reclaiming the earth. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I am not talking about Godzilla coming back, although I'm okay. fascinated by the idea of that. Yeah, that was unconfirmed. Um, but <laughs> but uh, have you noticed that basically there is so little activity now on Earth that the Earth itself is vibrating less? Ooh. What does that mean? So uh, the scientist, and this is really his name, Thomas, this is French, Lecoq. <laughs> Lecoq. <laughs> I even lo- I even looked up YouTube how to, how to pronounce it. Uh-huh. It's right. It's right here. Lecoq. <laughs> Give it one more time. That's it. Nice. It, yeah. Yeah. Lecoq. So Thomas Lecoq. Um, He's a geologist and a seismologist at the at the Royal Observatory in Belgium, and he's noticed in Brussels is experiencing thirty to fifty percent reduction in ambient seismic noise. And other scientists in L.A. and West London have uh, reported the same things as well. So since everyone's staying inside and there's less cars and trains and all that stuff happening, the Earth itself is vibrating less. So and that's something we can detect. Uh- I assume that's a good thing, right? Uh, I mean, I, w- I don't know. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a bad or good thing. It, what, what, I guess the one positive is, is the data that we're collecting on seismology, you know, um, studying the vibrating earth pretty much like finding earthquakes and shit. Uh, they said the data we're collecting is more accurate because we're detecting smaller tremors now because normally oh. there's just all this background stuff in the way people themselves are probably just a little something you know what i mean so for the most part the earth itself is vibrating less that's, and so that's very cool because uh, I, I mean, like, really cool. it reminds me of uh, uh astronomers going out to the middle of the desert or the middle of the forest or whatever to get away from light pollution it's the same same principle i have a story on that later on but oh nice it is it is the same type of idea where it's so right now there's so little pollution that you're getting better data results. So they're getting better data results about other seismic activity because it's not being drowned out by white noise essentially. Correct. And so it's pretty is, much like micro tremors. Yeah, so is that um is that the only benefit they're talking about now? It's not like uh oh, army ants are building better nests or you know some no, crap like that. Like, not, I wish that was the case. That'd be cool cuz when you said that I was like, "Oh, so it's better." I'm like, "Ah, it's not necessarily better. It's just more we I guess we're detecting micro tremors better hmm. but i don't think the earth itself is like oh perfect yay I'm, I'm not vibrating as much awesome but here's one thing i thought was cool is that like 
So since they can detect things that are like way smaller now, they can detect micro tremors. Uh-huh. Perhaps the scientists could detect why kids love the taste of cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> 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 that's the end of the story <laughs> that's why i just ended on that i can, I can it was a small story but i thought it was fascinating i thought uh, just the idea that it's not moving that much is kind of cool and that's something we get to tech i'm trying to wrap my head around that joke are you teasing your next story i'm not that's just a funny joke that's just funny like everyone talks I, about I did why, do, why does scientists know like that kids that's the fucking advertisement is what it like, but did, but did you know why kids love cinnamon toast crunch? So, <laughs> so, the whole, so the whole point, I don't know. Reddit always talk. Uh, that's like a joke <laughs> on Reddit. It's a, common, it's a common joke. Like every once in a while, they say, Oh, these they can detect this, but do they know why kids love the taste of cinnamon toast crunch? That's why we need you, Max. You appeal to that crowd. Thank you. You thank speak you. their language. I'm, I'm like, I'm What? Doing my work. I'm doing my work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it did make me laugh for sure. All right. So I'm going to get Good. to my uh, Florida or Australia story. You guys remember this one from a few episodes back, right? I do remember this. Yeah, I do like this segment. And now there's a new one. I'm excited. Okay. So both of you listen up. So a woman bought a baby shower Florida. gift at a thrift store. She found a great deal because it was a baby Einstein's bouncer that was uh, unopened and appeared to be brand new. And so uh, what this is, it's one of those um, little thing that baby suspends the baby in some sort of little uh, carriage with you know, like, um, holes for their legs. Like a, like a bungee cord system. Yeah, 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 exactly. And they just bounce up and down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, she found that for ten or for $9.99. And I looked it up, and it's usually like a $50, $60 item. So that was cool. It's a good deal. Uh, you always want to spend cheap on your baby. <laughs> well, actually, sure. it wasn't her baby, so yeah. Oh, fuck it! <laughs> but they probably liked the gift that they got better. The <laughs> what they found inside the box turned out to be a Mossberg 715T semi-automatic rifle. Oh, in the Jesus. bouncy thing, inside the bouncy thing. So yeah, she she brought this to the party. The um, I forget I forget which one of the couple unwrapped it, but someone unwrapped it, looked inside, found a gun, and uh, oh, that's right, this the father, amazing. the father to be, what? I said who? But as soon as they open it, they're like, who invited this person? <laughs> what the, fuck? the father to be opened it and shouted, uh, "You guys got me a gun!" So and they're all sh- were shocked. I'm assuming. Oh yeah, everybody was shocked, and oh, people were laughing and whatnot. And um, they called the cops, and the cops came and uh, checked if everybody there was a felon and whatnot, because it's you know you can't be a felon. And so from there, they let him keep the gun overnight because he's like, oh, I want to keep it. And so the cops were like, oh yeah, you can keep it. <laughs> Like that fucking happens. Like, why would you I like the negotiation? Like, we call you. It's like, hey, I found a bomb. Oh man, that is a bomb. Can I keep it? For, like, well, for the night. <laughs> How about for the night? Hey. Gotta give it back tomorrow. I'm gonna get this best care for you, mommy. Can I keep it, please? <laughs> well, let's just do a trial trial with the with the with the dog. <laughs> let's foster the gun. <laughs> So obviously they came back the next day and took it away. So my question for you guys is 
Did this woman buy a loaded semi-automatic rifle in a thrift shop in Florida or Australia? Let's go with you, Max. You know, the story, that story was so wild, I actually forgot the premise <laughs> that we're going to Australia. Because at first I was like, ah, oh, Florida, because I always say Florida. I'll spice it up, too. This and gun? It was so wild, I forgot we're deciding it. So I'm still going to say Florida, because that just seems, I don't know. That just seems, I'm just gonna, always going to say Florida. That has to be Florida, because Florida is wacky. I'm going to say it has to be that. Australians have right. some sense. All right, Mr. E? I'm going to have to say Australia because what you said about the cops and you keep it overnight is kind of uh, throwing me. I can't believe some American cops would do that. That's a very so, Australian trait. But I also don't put it past them. So lay it on me. Who was it? It was Florida. Right. Of course. <laughs> Florida versus anything is always Florida. You can't go wrong. Well, the first time was Australia. So it was. No, that's true. Gonna like do always Australia because he does obviously Florida. So, but, <laughs> well, I almost did that other Australia story as a uh, Florida or Australia. You know which 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 place did this astrophysicist stick magnets up his nose? <laughs> like, I think that's a pretty oh, good gee. one. Was that Australia too? Yeah, that was Australia. Oh Jesus, <laughs> dude! I'm excited for a lot of my stories here. But what do you got? I got the. None of my stories are good. I hate them all. Oh, yeah? No, I'm fucking with you. Okay. Yeah, no, no. Um, so here's one I was looking into. Okay, side note. I think we should uh, make a montage of us pronouncing people's names. Let's just get that on the air because, I mean, earlier I said Thomas Lecoq, and I know I know you, Sean, have butchered people's names all over the place. <laughs> so anyway, anyway um, so here's a story uh, out of the University of Colorado Boulder from uh, Christopher – Karnaskis, <laughs> Karnaskis, <laughs> and uh, he's actually analyzing uh, how indoors CO two levels might increase, uh, might increase in different scenarios. And hmm. this uh, story was kind of, I don't know, kind of alarming as I was reading it. And the kind of the bare bones is he was studying carbon emissions, and pretty much if the the rate of carbon emissions increase like it has been increasing over the next couple of years by twenty one hundred. You know, which is still a long time away. Mm-hmm. Um, the the CO two uh, rate could be nine nine hundred and thirty parts per million, and if you, which I don't you know to, to put in perspective, right now it's a uh, four hundred and ten parts per million. So okay. basically more than more than doubled. But in a classroom scenario, when people are breathing out extra carbon dioxide, that that could also raise to maybe fourteen hundred parts per million. And why is that a big deal? It's because <laughs> you're reading you know, my mind. Yeah, I say, why is that a big deal exactly? It's like uh, basically when you get that's why there's like CO2 detectors and stuff because when CO2s uh-huh. rise too high, uh, human cognition declines as it rises up. And so, in theory, if you're going to extrapolate on this data, you can almost say that the future is going to be dumber because of CO2 emissions, possibly <laughs> because it's constantly going to be in the air. And we can't get rid of it. We can't filter it out. Because how do you – like normally you'd filter out a building's air into the out, out well, the outside. The outside stuff still coming in. Okay. Hang on. Uh, is this your uh, theory on the data or is this it's their Christopher Karnaskaskis <laughs> of, of the University of Colorado Boulder. Because we – like you know, we know that carbon dioxide is – a bad, you know, gas yeah. when it comes to humans. Like if you if we if you're in a self-contained like this like a space shuttle, remember Apollo 13, they were breathing too much carbon dioxide, they're getting all 
you know, mentally challenged, for uh-huh. lack of a better term, right then. And, you know, too much will poison you. So this article slash idea is stating that in theory, if things continue the way it is going, there could be a markable difference in our cognition in the future. Like they said 2100. So, let's, you know, probably huh. 100 years, 80 years, something like that. But what he said was extrapolating from this data, this suggests like let's say scores on a test of basic decision making could be 25% lower than they are today. Or scores on a test that assesses more complicated strategic thinking could be 50% or less, which is – it's kind of a weird claim, obviously, as I'm reading it. It's like, okay, that's all guessing and extrapolating stuff. But they, you really can measure, hey, let's put this person in there and teach them something, and then let's throw a bunch of CO2 in there, and you will kind of, for lack of a better term, retard their thinking, and it would but okay, slow them down. And so, so if that stuff's happening in the future – there could be a dumbing down in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was, yeah. so yeah, yeah. ultimately, a lot of this is up to question because what he's saying is if if you follow the trend of uh, carbon dioxide emissions uh, from the past to or now, true, and we follow that curve to the year twenty one hundred, we could have a bunch of dummies walking around. We could. But, but that makes sense. Too, there's of all already the- a huge movement to knock that shit off. And I can't imagine it's going away in the next 100 years. You know what I mean? And our technology is only getting better. So this, I don't know. I don't, I don't give this a lot of credibility as far as that's concerned. Well, here's more reason to give it credibility, though. All right. Blow I my tits off. That, well, well, that's kind of it. And that, and that like, <laughs> well, if, if we don't do anything, that could basically happen. Yeah. Okay. But here's actually what I was thinking, though, is I bet you humans at that time, there's two thoughts. Maybe humans at that time would adapt and they'd have webbed hands and feet and they would just <laughs> wipe away the carbon dioxide away from their lungs. They'd be like, ha, ha, ha. And then they'd have like bigger lungs that could filter more things. And or my other plan is we need to rip a hole in the atmosphere. Much like when you fart in a car and it smells in there, we need to like open a window Blow it out for a second and then open it back and then close the window back up. So if we can somehow, let's, I know it sounds crazy, but it's real. Now, commence operation vacuum suck. If we can somehow blow a hole in the atmosphere, but like uh-huh. a, a, a nice, a controlled hole. <laughs> this hole like, Didn't we it repair up and it? It magically comes back together perfectly as if it never happened. And then we just kind of blow out some of that CO2, just kind of get that part <laughs> out into the, into the you know, ether, and then we're good. Didn't we repair the ozone layer? You know, wasn't there we a hole recently, in the... I, uh, and now you want to just tear a new one? A, a, a sustainable hole. A very sustainable, quality hole. <laughs> if I'm elected, I will blow a hole yeah. in the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, this is the best hole. This is I the give best you the hole best hole. And I will... Make sure it is repaired <laughs> in three hours, and it will blow all the CO two away, and we have two hundred years of good air. Good air, <laughs> and I'll plant four more trees. <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious on how that would work, Max. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would. It, it is a joke, <laughs> but uh, actually, that being said, I mean, if we had like all the technology in the world, I bet you it would work. Frankly, I mean, if you work, basically, we're kind of bottled up in a greenhouse. So if we had a greenhouse, if greenhouse gases, if you had a greenhouse full of tomatoes and those gases were killing your puppies, just open the door and then all the gas would go out and then you close it again. And then 
and then you know we're good hopefully we're good uh my only thought though is uh where would all, maybe the oxygen would also go? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so how would we breathe per se? So we need to start storing oxygen now. And oh. we'd be, we'd be all on tanks for like two weeks, two weeks at the most. We're all on tanks, and then the trees will, you know, they'll do their tree thing and get us all the oxygen we need. Like it's it's, it's perfect. It's good, baby. I've got a story here that'll help you out with your oxygen problem. Perfect. So scientists are creating oxygen from moon dust now. I want to hear the story because I know when we started this show, that was one of those topics. I only read the title and I just never delved further. So yep. I've heard that title and I'm excited to hear why, but I don't know anything. I'd imagine it has something to do with processing the dust into some type of shit, but I don't know. That's a guess. Yeah. So they say uh, lunar regolith, 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 lunar dust, soil, broken rock, and uh, related materials found on the moon's surface actually consist of between 40 and 45% oxygen. Really? Right? I was kind of blown away. Yeah. That's crazy. However, it's not not available. It's bound up chemically within, you know, the the components of the rock. Okay. So they have to... Rockalized, rockalized oxygen. Uh, <laughs> that's the scientific term right so i think it's more like um like at a molecular level the oxygen is bound with other molecules that form you know uh carbon 607 or some crap you know just something probably releases maybe like when you heat it up it releases or something well exactly they have to take it through an electrolysis uh system it's much like uh uh the way we separate hydrogen in an electrolysis electrolysis system to okay. fuel hydrogen cars to make them go. Okay. There's a electrolysis system in there. I'm kind of amazed by the idea of it. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, ultimately their whole goal is to set up, you know, get this technology down to an efficient level and set it up on the moon for a moon base. And from there, they'll be able to create their own oxygen and their own, uh, and this will help with creating rocket fuel on the moon which i think is pretty badass that is badass no i um do you have any more about it uh not really because it's all a bunch of technical mumbo jumbo i mean i love that because actually i have something that's kind of very uh i have a moon story too and i feel like that kind of leads into it all right hit me i'm done with that guy so you might have known this already but uh President Trump actually signed an executive order establishing U.S. policy on the exploitation of off-Earth resources, which for layman terms means he, he basically allowed – we're allowed to, to mine the moon now and asteroids. We're basically allowed to take space resources. Were we not before? Kind of. Actually, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, – it's weird. There's a lot of space legality out there because it, uh, look, I only know enough to be dangerous, but a long time ago we made some space treaties about, Hey, anytime we do something out there, we should all be involved in it period. And no one's going to gain money that anyone else is not going to be. It's kind of like a utopian idea, but then there was some policy like in the 1960s that, that was trying <laughs> to make that more accurate. And the U S has not signed that since. And oh. this new policy is basically kind of shown that we're, we're kind of saying, hey, you know what? If you can get out there and mine it, it's yours. Right. It's basically what this policy is. So he let us he's he's letting us do this moon mining stuff, which 
kind of goes into what you're talking about, where if we have a base on the moon or something like that, we would want to mine the resources on the moon, like water, like crystallized water or yes. things like that. Or maybe the dust itself or the oxygen. And in asteroids, too, we've, we've done stories in the past in the other show about like diamond asteroids and asteroids with gold and stuff in them. So if some company made robots that could mine that stuff, more power to them. But uh, I'll tell I'll tell let me tell you more about the moon, the moon stuff, though, because it was pretty cool. Well, so here was like, oh, yeah. Uh, regarding all the moon stuff, I think it's interesting that I, obviously we're going to the moon first, but really what we want to get to is the asteroids out there. That's where the good oh, money's yeah. at. Oh, for sure. Fuck, fuck all the planets. Because yeah, I totally agree there. Our moon was made from earth. It has nothing on it or in it that isn't in or on earth. So what we mm-hmm. want to find is that stuff we can't find on Earth or a very short supply mm-hmm. on Earth out in space. And the closest thing oh, to do that sure. is those that uh, minefield those asteroids, or those mineral fields. You get like one or two good asteroids and yeah, I mean, I don't know what to do with it, but I know like some dude who knew about basic resources that Earth people need to mine, they'd like flip out on that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Or I guess, you know, you could always go to Mars or one of the moons of the other planets, but yeah, what else you got? So well, well basically what makes this like kind of so... Because we were talking about already how there's been all these treaties about – there's actually a, a – you know, uh, in a, um, It's Always Sunny, they have bird law. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's actually something in law that's called bird space law. law. There's <laughs> space law. And and space law has been around for like, like 40, 50 years. There's space law. If I was a lawyer, I'd be a space law lawyer. Is this just kind of and, a um, – a, uh, what am I trying to say? A goodwill thing? Like, oh, you know, honor system? No, as soon as people went into space, lawyers started looking up what this means because you're exploring uh, new yeah. territory. Remember, everything's a big deal. You're studying, oh, Columbus just discovered America first or like the Louisiana Purchase. All these things are like discovering territory. Earth's basically been discovered, right, already. So space is, for lack of a better term, the final frontier. So who has, you know, who can govern the final frontier? Who has claim to the final frontier who gets to get all the resources all the benefits from the final frontier yeah. and so for a while there the whole earth was basically saying everyone does it's all for us for us like kind of a star trek thing yes and this policy is kind of saying you know what if you get there and do it it's yours and usa number one and that's kind of what it's saying and i'm not actually not against it because i kind of agree on some level like hey if you get you know, if you can get there, maybe is your resource. I mean, if you're going to make a robot to mine gold from an asteroid a thousand miles away, why all of a sudden that gold's everyone's on Earth's? Even though I, I get the idea of like, you know, oh man, fucking save the Earth, be nice. But come on, come on, you design the robot, you know, it's all yours and all that shit. Ultimately, the I am arguably the biggest Star Trek fan here. <laughs> How dare you? But I am absolutely. <laughs> How dare you? Check this for the record. I want this edited out. Anyway, yes. I am absolutely <laughs> willing <laughs> to admit that the. <laughs> the... I, I'm a, he only could say, ladies and gentlemen, he only said that because we're we are remotely. He knew in person I'd be like poking his eyeballs out. His eyeballs doing a. a oh, them's fighting words. But. A, 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 a Clegane. Clegane. <laughs> 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 a 
That's a joke. That's a joke. All right. But no, ultimately, you have, you have won all the quizzes. Whatever. All the all the quizzes. Fine. So fine. I'll, I'll get you, bitch. Star, Star Trek's economic model is deeply flawed, and there's no way to pull it off without that magical device called a replicator that can make whatever the hell you need whenever the hell you need it. So maybe that, asteroids are the replicator. That being said, I think our um. Uh, what am I trying to say? The um, we are a Marcy Mark Mark. Tell us, Marcy. (laughs) (laughs) No, we. How do we? How does the U.S. make money? We are a um. What's our economy? What capitalist? Capitalism. Okay. So maestro. Thank you, maestro. Fucking hail mary throw. Oh, I'm gonna edit all that out. (laughs) Fuck you, maestro. No, that was great. No. (laughs) So, uh, in awesome. I forgot he was here. He scared me. He kind of scared me. New voice. So in that model, uh, I'm happy to admit that I think the capitalism model would work better in just right now in outer space exploring. You know, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree on that, too. I mean, that's crazy. But ultimately, I think there are things you need to be held accountable because essentially what you're doing is you're going out there. Uh, and forget all the dangers of actually mining and the trip up there, but coming back in, you're essentially a missile heading towards Earth. And so you need to be I mean, held accountable to some degree. I mean, do you remember the symbiote in Spider-Man? That oh, was a yeah. rock. Oh, yeah. They brought, and all of a sudden it became this fluid that took over you know, Spider-Man's body, and all of a sudden now we have venom. Thanks, space. <laughs> so we need to make sure we don't get venoms. Because venoms are not good for the earth. Yeah, vote for me, 2024. Vote Queen Me. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm feeling a break here, but I want to tease a story. Uh, oh, Max. Okay, you're gonna love this one. <laughs> Do you remember Phoenix Jones? Is that name ring of a bell? Of course. What? Of course I do. No, nah, that's your no. <laughs> that's a fucking no. Of course I remember Phoenix Jones. Phoenix Jones the... was essentially... I mean, yeah, you, you tell them, yeah. Phoenix Jones is the quintessential real-life superhero who dresses up. He's an average dude who dresses oh, up. And I that's, do know you're talking about. That's all I'm going to say. We'll come back from the break. I, from the heroes. For heroes in Arizona. I know exactly what you're talking about. And we're back. When we left, Sean was teasing us about a story about Phoenix Jones. And that may not mean much to anyone else, but that actually means a lot to me because I think that's either the second or third episode of me and Sean's first podcast, The Dubious Bakery, where we talk about superhero registry, where we learn about Phoenix Jones. And last time we heard about Phoenix Jones, not to make us sound old, was probably like 10 years ago. And yeah. that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So an update on Phoenix Jones would be cool. So uh, I'll give you some backstory on Phoenix Jones here. He, uh, his tragic superhero origins. He, oh, yeah. His friend was assaulted outside a bar and dun, his dun, dun. Uh, son was injured by broken glass during a car burglary. So those. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but that's kind of funny. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. It's not funny. So those are that's his uh, tragic superhero backstory. <laughs> and from then on, well, when part his, of it. <laughs> so, so, when his son was injured slightly by some glass, it was too much for one Phoenix Jones. Well, he also said that part of it was that uh, a lot of people just stood by and watched all this happen. 
And he's like, I don't want to be one of them ever again. So he would wear uh, his superhero outfit under his suit, or excuse me, under his normal clothes, much like Superman. Mm -hmm. And whenever he saw something going down in Seattle where he patrolled, he would stop it. You know, he's credited with, um, you know, feeding the homeless and uh, stopping petty fights and... Actually, when, from, from from what I recall from the old time, like when you mentioned Phoenix Jones, was that he was kind of, I don't want to say abusing this law, but there's a law where if you offered combat to somebody and they accepted, you could fight somebody, even if a cop was there, because he accepted the challenge, you, you offered the challenge or something, and then you're allowed to fight each other. And then yeah. once the fight's over, it's done. I think it's a mutual combat. It's um yeah. It's where I mean, that sounds, yeah. if both people agree, some states do this in the U.S. But if both people agree, <laughs> then mutual combat for you sure. can you can fight each other, and the cop will just stand there and you know wait for things to end. Proceed. Like hockey, the ref stops it when someone hits the ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, essentially, like, right, we're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. Yeah, that's like what's, what's Tyrion like? Uh, I choose uh, trial by combat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Phoenix Jones been kicking ass for ten years. So, like, what's he up to now? Uh, well, he's being arraigned on drug charges. Oh my god, he's become a he's become a villain. If you live long enough, what is it? What's the quote? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you only see yourself live long enough to become the villain. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Yeah, and so um, he is being arraigned on drug charges right now for selling MDMA to uh, undercover narcotics agent. Damn. Well, dude, Damn. first of all, you got to... I mean, dude, we're not all Batman, fucker. He's, this guy's trying to fight crime, and he needs some <laughs> money for, for well, equipment. Dude, the CIA does the same shit. <laughs> so I like... I, I think you're kind of right there in that at least he's not selling meth. Like, it could be way worse. He's selling a party <laughs> drug yeah. to, you know, essentially club kids. But he's funding a anti-criminal organization, which is great. <laughs> well, yeah, no, he's wrong on all of those counts. So, yeah, that, yeah, that's what he claims. That's what he claims. Dude, they've he's, been... He's a villain now. He's, be, he's become the very thing he sought to destroy. Exactly. They've been on his ass since November. Oh, shit. Phoenix yeah. Jones. This is a the, long thing. Jones. So uh, he paid. Um, he was paid three hundred dollars. Did, did he have a villain back in the day that was like big head or something? He was like <laughs> he's an investment banker now or something like. And he's trying to stop him. He's right. trying to stop Phoenix Jones, but he can't. He's mayor. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he was paid three hundred dollars, and uh, what three hundred dollars gets you is seven point one grams of MDMA from Phoenix Jones. By the way. As, as we all know. Yeah, this article goes through all the numbers and shit, and you can really break down, like, am I getting a good deal from my MDMA dealer? That was the first exchange, and then it took about a month to get uh, Phoenix on the phone again to set up the second exchange, whereby they paid uh, another 200 and then when he showed up to the meeting place, a.k.a. the hotel... Um, after that many months, man, they're fucking entrapping this bitch. Well, so they caught him back in January. You know, this is an older story, but I, it didn't catch my radar until it did. Um, 
And so when they arrested him at the hotel, they found seven separate bundles of cocaine weighing about four grams. Phoenix Jones. A scale with suspected residue, several blue narcotic package and unknown white powder substance weighing approximately 31.7 grams. So, yeah, dude, this guy was set to party. And now he's fucking going to jail for six charges of, uh, what is Lots of charges. Wait a minute. Dude, Phoenix Jones, as we all know, is a hero who fights crime. What if this is his long-term solution to fight crime? To fight crime, you have to understand crime. Remember in Batman Begins where he steals from his own company and stuff? (laughs) What if he's going to jail, right? To understand the criminal mind, and he's gonna, he's gonna from the from jail up. He's gonna, he's gonna fight crime. He's gonna fight crime in jail. You, think, you know what? Respect, <laughs> Phoenix Jones. I, for a second, I was sitting there. I was sitting there thinking you're a villain. I get now. Phoenix Jones is he's he's the hero that we didn't want, but we needed. He's gonna, he's gonna enter the criminal system, and he's gonna fight fight corruption from the inside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I think you're right. I think that's absolutely what he's up to. It has to be. For sure. <laughs> that's inspiring. Wow. Good story. Wow. Yeah. And so um, this story is fairly old. He said he was up for another arraignment on uh, February 3rd. So obviously mm-hmm. that was a few months ago by the time this comes out, which mm-hmm. is, you know, next Monday. So that being said, I, I don't know. I haven't kept up on it, but... If I hear anything else come down the pipeline, I am definitely going to bring it up and let you guys know how Phoenix Jones is doing. Can we, like, for, like, just a minute each or something, talk about what kind of superhero we'd be in this climate or whatever? You mean in Phoenix the Jones, general... Thing, like, like a, yeah, like a real like a real superhero. Because Phoenix okay. Jones, just in case the audience didn't get it from that topic, he was a real superhero. He dressed up in, out, in an outfit and would go up to people and fight them if he thought they were, you know, being doing criminal activity and it was technically legal or something, and it was called superhero registry and you could actually register to be a superhero. Yeah. So me and Sean have talked about this in the past. So and quick, this, 30 seconds, one minute, what would you do? Well, this registry also has no legal standing or <laughs> uh, <laughs> recognized at all in, by any sort of law. Gray, gray area. But okay. So I just want to, so I guess I would be the cameraman. I would be okay. covered in lights and cameras. The cameraman. That'd be one option. Or my second okay. option is a uh, fake cop man. Because at that point, <laughs> like, who's going to question me, huh? I love these. these Fake cop man. You, frankly, you should be both. I think fake cop man and cameraman could be the same. Like you'd put on the, the <laughs> cop outfit. And then if you needed to bust out your camera, powers you'd bust and you throw the camera open i like it that's funny <laughs> i'd probably be um ninja star dude oh you do I'll have cover my body <laughs> yeah you do have experience with ninja stars a little bit i do have a little bit of experience with ninja stars but basically i would buy so many ninja stars that it'd be a armor if you will on my body uh-huh. And 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 I'm I'm gonna need your help actually designing this. By the way, I have a I have a there's an email pending. Okay. But um, I don't know how. I need a rail system to take these ninja stars off my arms and my legs and my body in a nice organized fashion. So then the armor is still on, but I can still throw them at people like hi ha ha ha. So this is all on you on that one. Okay. But that's kind of <clears throat> seems my easy. plan. 
which is like all my plans is pretty much involves you designing something for me. <laughs> so, so that's, that's what I would do. Okay, cool. Well, I got to say, uh, I have some, uh, superheroes here that tagged along with Phoenix Jones and their names are way better than ours. And that's okay. not giving okay. them a lot of credit either. Okay. <laughs> so we have, uh, Buster Doe, Thorn, Green Reaper, Gemini, No Name, Catastrophe, Thunder 88, and Penelope. So far, like, was it Catastrophe, yeah. Thunder 88, or just Thunder 88? Just Thunder 88. <laughs> I like Thunder 88. So it's far. got a ring to it, for sure, but it sounds more yeah. like a movie title or a song. I like Green Reaper. Yeah, Green Reaper's fun, too. Reaper's cool. Maybe Thorn, but what would her powers... Is that? I, I imagine it's a girl. None of these people have powers. Shocker. But, like, what's their <laughs> fake... What's their, what's their gimmick? You know what I mean? Like, Thorns would have all these, like, spiky... Oh, dude, things. okay. So when I was researching this, I went back to the uh, SuperheroRegistry.com. Yeah. And I just... It, the website is out of date, and the fonts don't quite fit, and, you know, just... It's a janky website from way back in the day that needs to be updated. That's, like part, of, that's part of the cover, bro. But they're still paying the hosting fees. So, I looked still into... That. There's yeah, all okay. sorts of goofy heroes on there that Honestly, it looks like a bunch of neckbeards. That's all it is. Just nin- I know. I know. <laughs> Just- <laughs> I know. We, we want to pretend it's some. I, I always want to pretend it's some cool badass. You know what that reminds me of? A weirdplace.net. Do you remember that place? A weirdplace.net. No. I think I do, but can you remind us? <laughs> is that from high school? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I think it, I think he's talking about where. Okay, just for us, for the listeners who don't know. We've all known each other for a long time, even <laughs> in high school times. So imagine a bunch of cool dudes. We were so cool uh, in high school that we used to hang out in the library and uh, post things to websites, uh, <laughs> spiritual websites about like ghosts. And so we used to post our own ghost stories to these websites. <laughs> and, uh, I think you should go from there because you always remember the, be- the story the best. Yeah. Um, Basically, it was the weirdplace.net or .com, and people always just shared these stories. And the funny part was, like, some of these stories were, like, obvious trolls. Like, there was one called Ghost Raping, where he talked about how a ghost rapes him. But then, like, they would submit ours about, like, you know, some elaborate shit that happened. And then they would, like, delete it because they caught on. But, like, we also did troll it to, like, to the maximum because, like, it was to the point where we were just using it as a communications board to each other in the library. (laughs) And, like, Max would post saying like Sean read this and then he would read it and then the body would say like as soon as you turn around I'm gonna throw a pen at you <laughs> and then he would turn around you'd throw a pen at him for like, sure this is how fucking cool we were and I actually I remember the guy who ran the website eventually kind of tracked us down <laughs> yeah he IP tracked us yeah and, and like, he made a post about us <laughs> he made a post and to this like if it was today, we'd all laugh at him, like "Go fuck yourself." But at the time, we were like, "Oh no, yes!" <laughs> He's like, and "I tracked them down. They're in a public library in a small town in Southern California, <laughs> literally, <laughs> like the library, like that day. Like, oh, gotta go, gotta go. It's <laughs> <laughs> a crime. <laughs> uh, we're stupid. We're stupid. Okay, I, I saw a cool thing about. Uh, we've been talking about the moon a lot today, so let's let's keep that trend going. Choo-choo. Moon episode 2020. So, have you heard of the LCRT, anyone? 
LCRT. No. Pew, 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 pew. LCRT. Okay, it's the Lunar Crater Radio Telescope. And <laughs> it's a very new concept, but I love it, and I want to spread spread this information. So NASA, I guess, gave out a bunch of grants recently to a bunch of like proposed projects. And this is like one of the projects, the LCRT, the Lunar Crater Radio Telescope. And so the plan is they're going to basically create a radio telescope inside a moon crater on the dark side of the moon. Hmm. Using proposal. the crater as the dish, essentially, to reflect the signal. Correct, outward. as the dish, as the reflecting unit. Okay. Something like that, for That's sure. Cool. Yes. Like, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, imagine the GoldenEye satellite in the movie GoldenEye. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah, that type of thing, which I thought was ingenious, though, because they're they're using something that's already there for scientific purposes. So the cost is actually relatively low instead of, you know, launching a satellite, all this crap. Blah, well, blah, blah, blah. well, wait a minute. They would just ping off of that site. They wouldn't have hardware in the crater. They would. No, they are going to. No, this is all proposed right now. But okay. the plan is they're going to launch a blah, 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 blah. These pretty much wall climbing robots moon rovers of course that will <laughs> and they're called they're called do axle robots i think they already exist but they would pull out uh, a wire mesh that's one kilometer long which is basically 3280 feet so it's this wire mesh that the drones or the moon rovers would expand over the crater and then somehow it would they would also suspend a receiver on the center and like ah. you said the 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 shape of the crater itself would be like the dish and then the mesh would absorb the information and then there'd be somehow a suspended receiver at the center just like a satellite dish and what's cool about this is the lcrt the lunar crater radio telescope uh, would be able to measure wavelengths and frequencies that can't be detected from earth because they're unobstructed by the ionosphere the ionosphere so the ionosphere is basically mm. a part of the atmosphere and it's good because it rejects, you know, a, bounce, a lot of things bounce off of it. But what they, something that bounces off is, is frequencies. Frequencies below 30 megahertz are reflected by the Earth's ionosphere. So we can't even detect them from Earth because hmm. it, they're being bounced off. So this is on the out, if this is on the dark side of the moon in this crater, it's shielded by all the Earth's bullshit, all the radio signals there, all the satellites. And it's actually shielded from the sun too, because the sun emits its own radio uh, bullshit. So it's really like a nice, dark, quiet area that we can observe these smaller frequencies from all over the galaxy. That's fun. And so this is just a theory or is this like a plan for NASA or something? It's a theory slash plan. Like they right now they have nine months and $125,000 to develop the idea further. Okay. That's kind of the plan where they, they would launch something with these drones and the drones would have a mesh thing and the mesh thing would, and they haven't found the site yet, but they just, but they, they, they mentioned the sizes they would need. I don't have them here, of course, but it was like, we need a, we need a, a crater that's this size by this size. And the, the moon's covered in that stuff because there's no, there's no atmosphere. So there's a bunch of little nice, perfect dishes already on the other dark side of the moon. And one other cool thing from this article is evidently China and the Netherlands have already developed this idea. They like I guess there's satellites on the dark side of the moon from mm-hmm. them. But since they're so small, they're not really detecting much. So this idea would – because oh yeah, if, they, if they did this, this would be the largest like telescope of its kind in the whole solar system. Wow. So even on, even on Earth. 
like yeah, the it would be it would literally like double the size of like the telescopes that they have here as far as this this band of frequencies, and they would actually be so much more accurate. So uh, they 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 claim that they're going for a receiver. Have they um, talked about whether it can transmit? That has not been talked about yet. Okay. Although that's a great idea, but I mean, for all I know, maybe it has been talked about. Like I said, this but, is only. Yeah. This is actually a fairly new thing. This is it was a 2020 thing they talked about, and I I read the NASA thing that it was really much the the NASA proposal, and then I read this article talking about it. And in the article talking about it, the article said that NASA gave it a bunch of money to a bunch of to to a bunch of projects, which is probably something NASA does. You know, they 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 look at smart things, smart people, and say, hey, here's some money, do some smart shit, and come to NASA. <laughs> so so these guys are kind of. Just the idea of it, though, is I think is amazing because you're a designer, so design's like the ultimate thing. And this thing is using something that's already happening on the moon, and kind of, kind of, kind of building a megastructure with a fraction of the cost. That's some Frank Lloyd Wright stuff going on right there, where he designs a house around a waterfall or something. There you go. Exactly. Hmm. It's, it's designing a satellite dish around a, a lunar crater. Huh. That's fun. So they'll develop the idea, and then uh, they'll say, yeah, it's possible, and we'll never hear about it ever again. Yeah, we'll never hear about it again. Yeah. Well, like I said, the article said they had nine months, so hopefully in a year or so, I'm going to try to follow this. This will be our new Kepler mission. Kepler. What was Kepler again? Kep- the Kepler mission on our old podcast was a, was a mission that we followed where they were taking pictures of deep space and finding exo exosolar planets, which are oh, planets that are outside the solar system. Yeah, but- And that thing was amazing because at the time, we weren't even sure planets existed outside the solar system. And now that's like something you'd say to your grandpa or something like, it sounds ignorant. But at the time, we're that old. We, there was almost a theory that maybe they didn't exist out there. Well, my day, so there were nine planets. Terrible. Exactly. Yeah. Another eight. All right. I have a story here for you, and I think it's gonna it's gonna be a fun one. So I've titled it the Silurian Hypothesis. What hmm. can you're a Doctor Who fan? What or who are the Solarians? Oh wow! Call me out, dude. Solarians? I haven't watched Doctor Who in a long time. Do I have time to? Can I Google it? No. <laughs> okay. So I'm just gonna tell you what it is. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember them now. I honestly don't. So the Silurians are a um, in Doctor Who. They're a race of dinosaur-like beings that existed uh, before humanity and came to their peak industrial age long before humanity. I don't know how they survived or any of that crap, but doesn't matter. Okay. So uh, this hypothesis has been named after them because it's all about uh, the idea that an industrial society may have existed on her on Earth before humans. Really? Wasn't there a Voyager episode like this, too? Oh, you're talking about the distant origin theory. <laughs> yes, yes, I am talking about that. Uh, yeah, it was about. Yeah, that one was about um, dinosaurs uh, evolving here on Earth and then going to the Delta Quadrant. But. That one's crazy. <laughs> but what's this one? So this is about um, – it's really about answering that question. Could a industrialized society have existed on Earth before humans, and would we be able to detect them? That is a hard question because right? it's about like 65 million years, so nothing we make doesn't last that long. So let me break it down for you now. Um, Earth – is 4.5 billion years old. 
Okay, so here are some other stats for you. The oldest surface on Earth is the Negev Desert in Israel, and it's 1.8 million years old. That is the oldest natural surface on Earth. We have dug deep and exposed older ground, but that's the natu- that's the oldest natural. I, th- I just thought that was fun as like a benchmark for how quickly the Earth turns oil over soil. And quickly and you know eons terms for sure yeah if we're talking billions of years yeah yes billions versus millions it's it it is a fraction so you can you can create like a a full-on laptop it would just probably disintegrate after a billion years yeah and so again 4.5 billion years is the uh how old the earth is humans there's evidence of humans on earth for 2.5 million years 2.5 million Okay, mm-hmm. so that's a fraction again. Now, modern industrialized humans, we're talking maybe and they uh, maybe a couple hundred years. They're talking uh, the way they define industrialization is um, uh, machines. Yeah, I- exactly. Using the uh, objects around you to fuel Pretty and much propel. Seventeen, sixteen, at the most, which is like four hundred years for the most part. Three hundred, yeah. four hundred. But modern humans, as far as, uh, you know, writing logical societies have been around for tens of thousands of years, arguably. And, and, and actually, that number is getting expended, too. Remember Gobekli Tepe? Yes. Back in the day, it was an old topic we talked about briefly. And it, it, it did push back the civilization of humanity because it showed at one time we thought that would be hunter gatherers, but then they were building things. So but even then, we're still talking about thousands of years, millions of years. So versus 4.5 billion. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So uh, the way they wanted to approach answering this question was they uh, used humans and where we are as kind of a benchmark. But then they also went back to, you know, fossil records and uh, uh, geological records and whatnot. So they examined all human footprints as far as chemical, you know, what we're leaving out there, physical like our our structures and our buildings, Um, Mm -hmm. radiological, all the nuclear waste, that kind of thing, Uh, fossil record, what we will leave behind, and then finally like geological. And so, you know, I can break down all of those for you. The article does. But the real conclusion is um, our probable impact on the planet will be palpable but in some ways hard to distinguish from various other events in the geological record. 100%. No. No, what you're saying is basically there could be a lot of stuff. We could if if somehow everything got erased via like, you know, right now we're talking about this virus or stuff or even those CO2 emissions we talked about earlier where everyone got dumber and dumber. What if that happened to the point that we all like 200 years or 300 years in the grand scheme of a billion year system, 3 billion year system? Yeah. We would just get erased, so, which, is, which is fucking crazy. Speaking of the uh, carbon emissions, they were talking about um, – so carbon-13 is a um, carbon that we emit when we burn fossil fuels. That's a man-made carbon essentially. Not really, okay. but yeah. Um, and our impact on the carbon-13 has offset something about carbon-12 – which is uh, made in stars. That's the natural carbon. And so um, they're saying I that... Like star- I like carbon made in stars. Right? That's kind of fun. I never yeah. knew there was a difference between 
carbon 12 and carbon 13, but I didn't we know they the made the stars. All, we're all made, we're all made of stardust. And so uh, they're saying that that should be visible in the geological record. But then they went on to talk about other um, gigantic plumes that were just unexplained. Like there, there's all sorts of uh, 200,000 years ago or so, um, there was a gigantic carbon plume that they me- they could measure in the geological um, testing. And that played havoc with all the temperatures, five to seven degrees and whatnot. And so they can, they can see that. But some of the other things I thought were interesting is if you look at nuclear waste, like we would, nuclear waste, tens of thousands of years for most radioactive half-life. So, so even all that would go away. Yeah, exactly. That's just a blip on the scale. That means nothing. I mean, frankly, They've talked about how, like, Mars used to have running water. Right. Yeah, based on streams. So the two uh, exceptions for the radioactive material are plutonium-244 with a half-life of 80.8 million years and uh, curium-247 with a half-life of 15 million years. So some of the conclusions they're making here are that Unless the one of them, at least, was um, if the civilization is older to us than four million years, we're probably going to have a hard time detecting it. Yeah, no, everything like time just destroys everything. Yeah. Have you read some of these articles about Antarctica, how stuff's melting and they're just finding more and more stuff there, just about land bridges and stuff like that? I'm almost curious if... Hmm. All this global warming stuff, which is obviously sucks, but we might start discovering frozen shit up there because, you know, millions of years have gone by or billions. Yeah. Aren't we finding we're finding all sorts of microbes and new stuff in there? And Yeah, we are. We're, I, I think there was like some microbes that that like came back to life and <laughs> frozen, like frozen like coyote puppies or something like that are millions of years old that they look still like fresh and practically. All right, here's a, a dinosaur quote that I think really puts this whole thing in perspective. Uh, dinosaurs right. roamed the earth for some 180 million years, and yet only a few thousand near-complete specimens exist. Dinosaurs were here for 180 million years, and we've only been here for 2.5 million for sure, and they're bigger too, so you think it'd be easier to find. True that. They're all just buried so deep. So much time has passed. You don't think about like just that slight dirt covering that happens if you leave something outside, but give it many human lifespans and not being touched. That thing would be covered in shit and covered and destroyed. It breaks down. I just think it's Actually, fun. Like, what yeah. I, I think what? it's fun that. Uh... Humans essentially took two hundred, or excuse me, two point five million years to evolve, you know, into something smart. Mm-hmm. And there's this planet has been here for four point five billion years. I mean, it probably took a little longer than that because yeah. some of our stories are always like extending those evolutions. Uh huh. Probably did take longer than that, but that being said, yeah, no, we still are a blip. I agree. I'm romanticizing it a bit, but yeah, that's a fun thought. The end of the day, that's something that lived here before us. That was smart. I was reading this article the other day about a 
a new enzyme was discovered, a bacterial enzyme that was that was created that breaks down plastic uh, very fast now. They okay. This could, be, this could possibly be like a thing for the future. But like currently right now, I guess um, when we recycle something, you have to burn it and process it. And even then, the best you can do like with, with the plastic bottles is you can make like clothes out of it or carpets. But this new system is making this enzyme, which will break down – I think it said the team used the enzyme to break down a ton of waste plastic bottles. And 90% of it was degraded in 10 hours. Wow. Really? Yeah, so it's like a fast-acting enzyme that breaks down these plastic bottles to their molecular level, and then you can use them to make other food-safe bottles, which is crazy because you normally when you use recycled plastic, it's not for the same thing like food-safe bottles or whatever. It's for, like I said, clothes or whatever. Well, that's great. That is a uh, revolution to the recycle industry. China has stopped uh, – well, I don't know about stopped, but uh, China isn't fond of taking our – recyclables anymore and recycling them so you know the market was in need of a new substitute no yeah actually this company they uh, partnered with pepsi and l'oreal because they're trying to like all reduce their climate because there's so much plastic involved with all with you know humans in general and it's everywhere it's in the oceans and everything so everyone's trying to like figure out instead of creating new plastics how can we recycle the old plastics and still use them and um this guy, I don't have his name right now, so, so screw me. <laughs> but uh, basically he said – he's like, this is a very large advance in terms of speed, efficiency, and heat tolerance. It represents a significant step forward for true circular recycling of – he says PET, but PET is basically like food-safe bottles type of deal. Okay. And it has the potential to reduce our reliance on oil and cut carbon emissions and energy. And I thought it was kind of cool because this is like an enzyme, and so it's like some – chemical futuristic sounding thing and the company that's like uh this company that's making it is called carbios but they're partnering with another company and this other company they're going to try to mass produce this enzyme uh using fungus and that's all it said so i don't know how a fungus is going to make an enzyme and this enzyme is going to be something they can collect and then they can collect it in mass forms and they're going to throw it on plastic bottles and it's going to degrade the bottles to, to like a mush basically <laughs> and then the mush is going to be used to make other plastic bottles and it's supposedly a really boon, a big boon for the recycling industry but it sounds wacky to me it's crazy like but in a cool way so i wonder is there any like negative byproduct of this this eating the plastic it didn't say anything about it so i'm gonna say no no but like i'm right. sure there probably is but like currently they're making it sound like this is a big deal like this is like a cool thing because everything i've ever heard about recycling i don't want to spread too much misinformation but i I remember watching that show penn and teller's bullshit and they did a whole episode about recycling industry and they very much said that recycling is kind of bullshit for the most part it's almost better to just use products that you can and throw them away economically and the best things were to recycle was aluminum at the time because that that made sense because you make more aluminum. But for something like paper, they make paper trees. So there's no need to like recycle paper and make more paper because all the production to make new paper is stupid. You're actually making more pollution. You might as well just grow trees to make more paper. So this story kind of sounds like recycling, but in a really good way. Like I want like I think recycling in a in a good economic functional way is a good idea. It's just sometimes recycling is bottled up like it's like like it's great it can actually cause more harm well like you said uh 
the the idea of uh, recycling in general needs to be cost effective. If if your bottom line is not a net gain in resources, then what's the point, right? But this right here, because the way we recycled plastic before, we were only getting 70% back, you know? We're not getting everything back, and some plastics can't be recycled. So I'm curious. There's a lot of different plastics out there. So as this story develops, like, I'm super curious on uh, what kind of plastics can be dissolved and how efficient it is. No, this article actually, I didn't write too much into it because I didn't realize it'd be this crazy. But there was different plastic. This is this enzyme breaks down PET plastic, hmm. which they made it sound like it was basically bottles, like mm-hmm. whatever food safe bottles are. But there's other bacteria, other enzymes, other stuff that breaks down other plastics that are starting to be invented. And so the idea of the future was kind of, in a fun way, it was kind of tricking me out because. It's almost like a, like a chemical bio, biological future where we're using we're using enzymes, bacteria, a yeast. Remember we did stories a long time ago about like yeast producing like THC and stuff. So yeast, bacteria, all these things we're all, we're starting to harness them now for kind of cool aspects that are going to make the human existence better. Yeah. Hopefully. I'm excited for that one. That's a good one. I have uh, something here that might make your human experience a little better. Actually, on two fronts. Hopefully. Is it, is it the VR sex machine I've always wanted? <laughs> no, haptic feedback? No. Yeah, Can't get that. damn it. And I'm not interested. Okay, yeah. All right, so Bush, the beer company, is offering three months of free beer for adopting a dog. Yay! Currently? Uh, no, it uh, expired, I think. What is today? Oh, it expires in two days on the 25th. Oh, I was about to hang up on you and be like, all right, let's figure this out. Cause... And I think it's only in Minnesota. Yeah, it's the only the Minnesota Animal Rescue. Well, as you can tell, it's a very powerful promotion because I was considering it. Right? Three months worth of beer? That's that's a quite a hefty thing. But uh, let's see what they think three months worth of beer is <laughs> worth. Monetarily wise, uh, the once you adopt your pet, the uh, reward will be given in a form of a one hundred dollar prepaid debit card. Okay, so you can use that card to to buy beer. To buy three months worth of beer with a hundred dollars. Yeah, that'd be in one night. Yeah, right. <laughs> You get 236 blocks and you're fucking halfway there. Exactly. And so. <laughs> is this for, for one man? For one man for two, for, for two weeks, maybe? <laughs> like, I guess if you go by the definition of casual drinking, it would make sense. For sure. But, I mean, who does that? <laughs> Wait, what beer company was this? This is Bush. Anheuser-Busch. And so. Uh, I, I was like, okay, how do you stretch this? How do you really make this into three months worth of beer? And so I did some digging, and I went to BevMo.com. Because, you know, I figured I'd use a source that everybody might have access to. And um, if you chip in another $50, <laughs> so you need to pay a third of the bill. You're getting the, 50 now, okay. Yeah, you're, first, you're getting the first 100 fronted. But uh, if you do that, 
You can get a 15 and a half gallon keg of Budweiser, which is their signature beer. And how, how many beers is that versus the other one? So, here's the math. A can of beer has 12 ounces in it. A gallon has 128 ounces. A, a keg, or... Yeah, the keg itself, the 15.5-gallon keg, has 1,984 ounces in it. And that translates to roughly yeah. 165 cans in the keg. So one keg is 165 cans of beer. Well, this keg, it's a 15.5. That's a huge keg. I imagine it's meant for like a restaurant or something, but, you know, you're making your dollar work for you here. There's different keg sizes? I figured keg was like a standard oh, dude. thing. There's pony kegs, there's normal kegs, there's oh, smaller oh, kegs. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize I was stumbling into a beer controversy over here. Two more, Sean. Tell us two more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there's kangaroo kegs, and then there's the uh, ruffled keg. Yep. Fake kegs. I take it. I mean, I don't know better, so. You yeah, goddamn exactly. right. <laughs> All right, so um, which all that 165 beers in three months equals about two beers a day, depending on how you pour. So you could you could have yeah. two beers a day for three months for 150 dollars, and you get a puppy. And then you know you could you could probably sell a puppy for more beer. Goddamn right! Actually, you know yeah, what? That's right? how you make that other 50 right? bucks. You sell the puppy. Yeah. Yeah. See, like, yeah, that, that is pure profit. I didn't think about it that way. That, Love for it. For sure. Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> now <it's> like, <laughs> Wait, was it a free puppy or you fostered it for like three no, months or something? You can, uh... Was it free? Because free puppies are crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're going to give you a, a puppy to foster yeah. and then a shitload of beer to drink while you're fostering yeah. the puppy. To basically get drunk and fall in love with the puppy. You're like, I love you. I love this thing. It was to foster or, or adopt. And I think if you adopt. Oh, it is a both. Uh, either way, I think if you adopt, you're going to be paying fees, right? You know. Well, when you foster, you're going to fucking adopt it pretty much. You're going to fall in love with that thing. That's, that's why fostering a, fostering any animal basically means you're, you're going to fall in love with it. Nice. Well, as always, uh, thanks for joining us on Better Than Most Things. Keep in mind that we are enthusiasts, not experts. If you want to know more about the topics we discuss, we encourage you to research them yourselves and let us know if we miss anything. Submit your questions or interesting topics to our Discord. For all the latest updates, subscribe to our Twitter and Instagram at BTMT underscore podcast. And please rate and subscribe on your podcast app. Stay healthy.